they turned away from the riverbanks and cut through a grove of birch trees. Was it poaching they were up to, Thomas wondered. But they hadn't told him to bring his staff. He would need his staff if they were to go poaching. He was distracted by a badger. Apparently oblivious to the presence of the men, it trotted along beside them, head down, hindquarters swaying flirtatiously side to side, like an overweight coquette. Thomas liked badgers, After several moments, however, the badger paused to listen, body motionless, nose twitching, aware of danger present. They left the animal behind, and Thomas's attention once more returned to the men. In the instant they broke out of the grove, he realised their intent. The road to Norwich was to their left. In the darkness ahead was Burrell and Sons' works, and to their right, surrounded by lavish trees and gardens, was the home of the widow Pettigrew. A brief thrill of shock ran through Thomas. So that was it. They were about to go thieving. He said nothing as they straddled the low stone wall. He said nothing as they approached the house, keeping well under cover amongst the elms and oaks, maples and sycamores. But his mind was racing. This was a mad thing his father was contemplating. Was the widow at home tucked up in her bed? Were the servants in their quarters at the rear? There was no light visible, but that meant nothing. To rob this house was the action of a madman. Thomas had few misgivings about the robbery itself. The widow could certainly afford to be relieved of some of her possessions, and if these were his father's instructions, Thomas was duty-bound to obey. But for the first time in his life, he found himself questioning the wisdom of his father's actions. "'Saturday is the servant's night off!' Jonathan whispered, as if divining his son's thoughts, and the widow goes out to dine with friends in the village. "'I have watched her,' Ferret added. "'She leaves at dusk and doesn't return till nigh on midnight.' They were around the side of the house, where a large window frame with small thick panes of glass was set into the napped flintstone walls. Thomas watched with admiration as Ferret drew a cold chisel from his coat pocket and levered the window open with comparative ease. It was a skill born of long practice. Ferret was an expert, Thomas realised. Then, one by one, they clambered over the sill. Inside the widow's house, they crouched in the darkness while Jonathan struck the flint of his tinderbox and ignited three tallow candles. As the light filled the room, each man stood, candle in hand, and looked about in silence. On the mantel stood an ornate porcelain vase, several fine china ornaments, and a pair of silver candlesticks. In a glass cabinet were a silver salver, a cutlery service, and a set of goblets. A carved wooden chest in the corner was opened and revealed sets of linen and lace, sheets, towels, tablecloths, and napkins. "'I told you so!' Ferret was the first to speak. He grinned greedily, his yellow teeth gleaning triumphant in the gloom. A hall fit for the king! He crossed excitedly to the fireplace. Jonathan, look! On the table by the open hearth stood an ivory snuff-box, a hand-carved humidor, a brass pipe-rack, and a pewter jug with matching tankard, all preserved in memory of the widow's late husband, who had died barely six months previously. Widow Pettigrew still wore black, and, in church on Sundays, her mourning veil. "'She's even kept his coat!' Ferret cackled as he dropped his own threadbare garment and donned the heavy wool greatcoat which was draped over the armchair. 
"'Ah, big man, old Pettigrew,' he added, the coat hanging off his scrawny frame. "'We'd best get to work.' Jonathan Kendall was already stuffing the silver candlesticks into his cloth bag. "'Thomas Lard, you go upstairs. The widow's bedroom. It will be to the left.' Thomas hesitated. "'Ferret's kept watch these past three Saturdays,' Jonathan explained. "'He says that the upstairs light in the room on the left is the last to be snuffed at night.' Thomas turned to do his father's bidding. "'Satin and lace and fine leather gloves fetch a good price,' Jonathan instructed. "'And feather bedding. And mind you check the dressing table,' he added, "'for that's where she'll be keeping her jewels and trinkets.' Holding his candle aloft, Thomas stepped out into the main hall and up the stairway, each wooden step creaking alarmingly. Turning left at the top, he crept to the door at the end of the corridor.